welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. All right, welcome into another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. This is the August 9th edition of the podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live. These are the dog days of summer and the dog days of camp. Christian, how are you doing? Doing good. Getting ready for the season. It, you know, this is like the dawn before or the, uh, the calm before the storm, really, for where we're at in the season. Yeah, I know the, you know, the um, Hall of Fame game was the other day, and that one always sneaks up like so early. And it, and it starts to feel like football, but then you realize it's still like four or five weeks away. So um, it, it feels far away, but hey, at least we still get to like hop on Twitter and see videos of actual Chiefs practice and actual Chiefs players doing actual Chiefs things. So we'll take it. It's a lot better than the middle of March. Oh, yeah. Well, in the hype, I'll just put this out there before we get started. The hype around some of the Chiefs players like Trey Smith is through the roof. Like you're, you're seeing it on the major talk shows. It's just a real fun time you know, before the games actually get started, where you can have a little bit of hope, you know, believe in some, some maybe not real things for a little while longer before you have to wake up about your team. Sure. And this isn't on the docket to talk about, but I do, I do want to, because I was listening to some other excellent chiefs podcast. And uh, as I was listening, I was just getting like really excited. I was like, man, this player and this player and this player and this man, like, a couple months ago, I was complaining about Brett Veach. How could I, how could I ever like l- look at this? And then I had to bring myself back a little bit and remember. Yes, there are people who are sitting out at practice getting videos of good things and bad things, but a lot of what we hear and see is controlled by the Chiefs. This is the ultimate hype time for all players. You know what? You know, we're in practice. You know, Lucas Nying looks great. Um, you know, Trey Smith is going to be, you know, an all pro. McCole Hardman's taking the next step. It, it's so easy to get so excited about all these because, one, the Chiefs want you to be excited about them. We are excited about them because we are fans. It's just kind of a little bit of a cycle of like, um, like you know, those rubber bouncy balls that you take and you can throw them up and down on the really hard on the wall and it just bounces back. Oh, yeah. it's, it's like that. Like we're just bouncing excitement off of each other and nothing's going to stop it. But what will stop it. And the reason, the reason why we'll eventually come back down to earth is a little bit is we'll watch Joey Bosa, like throw Lucas Nying on the ground or McCall Hartman will run a wrong route. Not to say that those guys can't be great or that our excitement is wrong. It's just like right now is the ultimate, like, the harvest is coming in. Times are great. Everything's good. That's why training camp is such an exciting time, just like the draft. Everyone's getting better. Everyone feels optimistic. You know, here in a couple of weeks into the season, we'll double check with those things and see how we feel. Oh, yeah. And it's important to remember the NFL is a performance art, right? There, there are definitely 
some things that are, are performance-based. This is all an act. Um, and once we get to the real, you know, dog days of football, um, we'll, we'll see what actually rises to the top, see what, who actually plays well. But it's important to keep that in mind. Everything, I really like what you said. It's, it's everything that we're seeing right now is essentially propaganda from the Chiefs. And that, that sounds bad, but, you know, they're, they're seeing, we're seeing what they want us to see right now. Well, yeah, for sure. And we got to remember there's parts of camp that we don't see um, there, you know, they only have part of their practices outside for everyone to see. And, you know, we also need to remember that the players and what they're doing out there, we don't always understand it. You know, it's, I've heard several film guys and several former NFL offensive linemen say that, you know, those one-on-one videos can be deceiving when you see two offensive, uh, an offensive and defensive linemen go up next to each other. Cause you don't know what they're working on. It's not really a game situation, which is good to know because, you know, some of some of the players look really good there. Some of them don't. So, yeah, we just, you know, keep everything in context. And if anything, just be glad we can log on Twitter and see actual Chiefs practice. Yeah, exactly. And that, that kind of segues into our first topic here really well. Yeah. So what we are going to go ahead and do is we are going to go ahead and predict season-long statistics for most of the offensive playmakers and then a couple of the defense defensive playmakers as well so basically what we're looking for is most of the traditional counting stats we're just going to go for yards and touchdowns um and then on the defense we've just got our pass rushers here we could have thrown a secondary player up there but it's a little weird because interceptions are super flaky sometimes sometimes a person can luck into a whole bunch of them and tackles is kind of a weird thing to count. So we've got Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Clyde, McCole Hardman, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark that we're going to kind of just take turns predicting what we think their season-long stats are and just a short little blurb about why. So we'll start at the top with the king himself. First off, I'm on Patrick Mahomes' uh, football reference page, and they have p- players' nicknames on here, and most of them are awful. Um First off, we can embrace the fact that the nickname Showtime Mahomes is awful too. These are his nicknames. Showtime, Magic Man, The Musician. Where the hell did that come from? Fatrick. Fatrick Mahomes is actually the best one. The the Gunslinger or Mahome Boy, which might actually make the most sense. But those are all, (laughs) except for Fatrick. Fatrick Mahomes is definitely (laughs) my favorite. I've never heard that before, but I absolutely love it. That is something I will be referencing on Twitter from now on. Uh, the magic man is maybe the worst for me because that just brings the, the up musician. Like, I, I can tell you, like as someone who went to college and has a music education degree, um, I can tell you just by listening to Patrick Mahomes talking, he's not a singer. And <laughs> unless there's something that we don't know about Patrick, that he just plays like a really mean clarinet, which I highly doubt. Um, I have no idea where the musician comes from. I guess the improvisation element of it, like they equate him to like a jazz musician improvising, but, um, okay. Either That's way, a stretch, but go we'll, ahead. Go ahead. We can just call him God or, um, the savior, the only begotten son, but either way. So last season, Mahomes came in with 4,740 passing yards and 38 touchdowns and six interceptions. Obviously all these stats are going to be a little bit more bloated because of the 17th game factoring in injuries. And, you know, will the chiefs get to take a week off because they've got it locked up. 
This year, I am going to predict that Patrick Mahomes passes for, and I'm going to generically kind of go for some round yard, uh, round numbers. I'm going to put him at a career high 5,100 yards. Um, in 2018, he passed for 5,097. So 5,100, just three yards more than that. That's equating in the 17th game. Uh, for touchdowns, I'm going to put him at a nice plump 43. And then for interceptions, I'm going to put him at eight. So I've got him at 5,100, 43, and eight. What about you? Wow. That uh, 5,100 is a little high for me. I have him going 4,750, 4,750 yards passing, um, 42 touchdowns. So we're about the same there and five interceptions. And, and I came to those numbers uh, through hours of research and, and no, not really, but uh, I just kind of factored in the lineman. He's got better line. I think we're going to be running the ball more, which is, you know, kind of crazy to think. Andy Reid running the ball. Um, you know, that might be the hottest take of the night. And uh, I think we're going to be ahead way more. And it'll be much more efficient. We won't have to throw as much. Yeah, that's how I came to that. What about you? Well, I think that when you look at Mahomes' career overall, he has always been a, you know, I have a friend who believes that st- – passing stats or passing yards is a fluky stat like that he's an Aaron Rodgers guy he's a Packers fan but he tells me that passing yards are super fluky and shouldn't be factored into quarterback play but when you go back and look at Mahomes his whole career he's accumulated more passing yards than almost anyone Um, you know part of it is yards after catch run after catch type of thing but I picked the 5,100 because I I think that's where the 17th game comes in hand. And I also think that they are going to play all 17 games. I think the chiefs are going to have to play that last weekend, which we haven't seen him do much of. Um, I think he's got uh, the line, all that's factored in there. The touchdowns 43. I really think he could go to the 50 mark, but I do think they will run the ball a little bit better in the end zone and him staying in the single digit interceptions is really the most surprising thing about all he just, you know, has done such a good job of avoiding turnovers. And I'm not afraid to say that I swear he has, you know, some sort of voodoo doll or something that he just, I I truly think what it is, is a lot of players drop interceptions that he throws one of two reasons. One, he throws the ball in situations that players don't expect him to throw the ball. Like, Oh, he got that off. Like he threw that. I can't even, you know, how did he even get that pass off? And I think he throws the ball so hard with so much velocity that it catches a lot of defenders off guard. Like I know Sammy Watkins, whenever he signed with the chiefs, his first year, it, he talked about how hard it was catching passes from uh, Mahomes because of the velocity. Well, and all that considered, I mean, there's a reason that these uh, players are cornerbacks and not wide receivers, right? They, you yes, know, they, absolutely. they drop footballs all the time. Uh, say what you want about Tyron. He's really focused on that, but early in his career, even as good as he is now, man, lineman hands butterfingers however you want to say it he had it so the next one that we have is kelsey zeus right uh you know this is going to sound uh, a little pessimistic but for some reason i and i don't knocking on wood i really hope this doesn't happen he's been an iron man for so long i really think that an injury has to happen at some point in time and i hate predicting that right um, and I didn't factor that into uh, into this year. 
they're into my stat predictions or anything, but uh, it, for some reason, I just got a bad feeling about that. I think that might happen. Um, but I have him at 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. What about you? Well, your, your take about him, the likelihood of him being injured is, is spot on. Um, you know, he has been healthy for so long. So, you know, law of averages tells you that, yeah, there's a good chance that he could get hurt this year. Also, nobody has played more football over the past three years than the Chiefs. And Kelsey has played, you know, he's a workhorse. He catches a lot. He does, you know, when he's not catching the ball, he's a blocker as well. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can completely see it. Um, I, like you, am going right about that same range. Um, I'm going to put him at 1,300 yards. Last year he had 1,416. Um, and for touchdowns, I'm going to keep him in the double digits, but I'm put him down at 10 down from 11 last year um though it's just 116 yards less than last year i think the chiefs i think the one of the best things that the chiefs did with noah gray besides adding an offensive weapon is noah gray is like the first guy that the chiefs have had that can really fill into the role that kelsey has yes they've had capable um backup tight ends um but none of them were able to plug into Kelsey's role. You know, Blake Bell is more of a blocking tight end. Demetrius Harris could not do the things that Travis Kelsey did. He, you know, Kelsey lined up in the slot quite a bit. They even put him out um, at X or Y. Um, Gray has the body type and the athleticism to do those things. So I'm hoping that the addition of Noah Gray, when he comes into his own, can also give Kelsey, you know, just a few more snaps off, a few more reps, you know, of rest because he is getting older and there have been several tight ends who have aged like fine wine. Gronk is still doing his thing. Um, you know, Antonio Gates could still probably catch a touchdown against the chiefs. It seemed like he did so often. So hopefully Kelsey is one of those guys. Oh yeah. And you know, him being on the field, he's like you said, he's a workhorse. He gets lots of catches. I just think his red zone production is going to go down a little bit because we're going to be so efficient at, at running the ball. I mean, we've, we're going to talk about that probably the rest of our predictions. Like, we're going to run the ball more, so Hill might have less yards. I just have trouble putting uh, somebody like Travis Kelsey in the 10-plus touchdown catches range because, like, really red zone production. I mean, he's a big play player, right? Yeah. But not like Hill or not like Well, Hardman. yeah, and that's, that's the thing. The – the red zone is actually what keeps Kelsey's touchdowns more stable is because he's a bigger body and he has such great route running that he can get open. What keeps Travis Kelsey's touchdown number down is the fact that outside of the red zone, he's not a weapon, right? Tyree kill is the guy who turns a, uh, you know, a 10 yard slant into a touchdown. McCole Hardman's the guy who takes an end around for to the house. Travis Kelsey's not that guy anymore. He used to have that breakaway speed where he could take a screen to the house, but you know, Travis Kelsey's best shot at uh, scoring is either within the red zone or a deep pass that he can, you know, dive into the end zone. He's not that guy who just has the the pure breakaway speed. See, exactly. And and I think that with the new offensive line, with Clyde Edwards, a layer that we're going to run more uh, in the red zone. And I really like that as a fan of old school football. I really am looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which brings us to Clyde. Um, so last year, obviously it was a very weird year for Clyde in a couple of ways. He had the injury that took him out for several weeks and also rookie season, also COVID, 
you know, most people I feel like would kind of come to the conclusion that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might have disappointed some last year. Um, for me, so with Clyde, you know, you're going to factor in the receiving and the rushing yards as well. I am going to put Clyde at a thousand yards rushing at the dot. Yes, I know I'm cheating by doing round numbers, but there's no not there, there's no point in saying 1,030. So I'm going to put him at a thousand yards rushing. Last year he was at 800. So you know that's an increase, obviously, but that's also an increase in games played. Where I think he's going to have a big uptick is in the receiving game. I'm going to put him at 500 yards receiving, which is up from 297 last year. Um, for touchdowns, I'm going to give him four receiving touchdowns, and I'm going to give him eight, double the amount of rushing touchdowns. So when you combine them all together, you're looking at about 1,500 yards of total offense and about 12, let's see, I said eight and four. So, yeah, eight, uh, 12 total touchdowns on the season. So, um, you know, I think that that's pretty good. Last year he had 1,100 scrimmage yards, so giving him an extra 400 scrimmage yards. That sounds a little pessimistic considering what we think of the offensive line, but I also think that the Chiefs have a very good backfield this year with McKinnon and Williams, and I think that I think that there is going to be a healthy mixture of players moving in and out of there. There's only one ball, yada, 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 so that's my predictions. See, and 500 receiving yards seems a little low for me, honestly. I think that I think Clyde gets a thousand and a thousand. I think he, he goes for 2000 total yards, um, seven rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. So we're, we're kind of close with all of that. I just really think that, you know, with Mahomes maturing, you know, his first, you know, real season, his gunslinger season with 50 touchdowns, he was throwing the ball a lot in some places he probably shouldn't have thrown and it all worked out. And, you know, that's good. He, he had an MVP caliber season. It was all great. I think as he matures, he's going to be checking the ball down a little bit more. And, you know, as a Chiefs fan, kind of bums me out that that's going to happen, especially with Alex Smith uh, loving the check down. But, you know, I think that's just in the cards for him. And, and nine total touchdowns, I think he's going to get a lot more red zone uh, opportunities, like we said earlier. And two receiving touchdowns, I think that that comes from maybe like a, a screen, something fancy that that uh Andy Reid works up let me ask you a question I'm and by the way these are just opinions right there's there's no right or wrong answer without looking what was how many receiving yards do you think first off let me ask you this who's a better pass catching running back Kareem Hunt or Clyde Edwards Alaire well we haven't seen it in the league yet I'd say natural ability probably Clyde but I think Kareem has proven that he can do it in the NFL yeah. so I'll go with Kareem yeah and I mean he functions as Cleveland's pass catching back you know he's the yeah. third down yeah. guy how many what What do you think the most receiving yards Kareem Hunt had in Kansas City so a year with Alex Smith a year with Alex um, Patrick Mahomes including the year that he won the rushing title what do you think the uh, most amount of yards he had receiving probably 565 that's my guess you are almost exactly a hundred yards <laughs> over. Oh, the really? Most, okay. Yeah. The right. most yards he had was 455 yards receiving. That was in 2017, his breakout year. He actually had less in 20. Oh, never mind. That's because he kicked someone. Um, I was like, yeah. oh, he had less in 2018, <laughs> but I forgot that he's an idiot. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess, I guess all I'm saying is my 500 yards would still be, you know, 17 games, yada, yada. That would still be more than Kareem Hunt had. Um, a thousand and thousand is strong. I think like what Christian McCaffrey is the last person to do that. Did that a couple yeah. years ago? Yeah. yeah. So just interesting. Uh, there's yeah. no right or wrong answer. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, you know, Kareem Hunt is a good pass catcher. I think he's a different type of pass catcher. I think your hope with Clyde is that he's a bit more of a tactician and a route runner that can break free. Whereas Clyde was more of that downhill style where you could dump the ball off and he could, you know, cut and break into the next level. Um, yeah. yeah. Sweet. All right. Let's move on to probably the, one of the most hot topic players of camp and of the offseason, McCole Hardman. Last season, McCole Hardman had 560 receiving yards and four touchdowns. Um, this year, there's a lot of high expectations. I'm going to go ahead and also pull up Sammy Watkins because I think that we can kind of see a lot from how he did. Oh, don't make what. that comp. Well, no, but here's the thing. That production still exists. Sammy Watkins' best season as a chief, 673 yards receiving and three touchdowns. He played in 14 games that season, so he just missed two. So for me, I am going to put McCall Hardman at a significant increase. I'm going to give him 650 yards receiving, and I'm going to give him six touchdowns, which would be the same amount he had as his rookie year. Sounds pretty pessimistic. Here's my thing. I think that McColl will have a better year. I think that he will factor more into the offense. And, you know, that would be a career high in touchdowns and yards receiving. So both, both are optimistic, but I don't see him going to that next level. Again, Noah Gray's added to the offense. We're hoping Clyde takes another step as a receiver. We're looking to run the ball more. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are still there. I think that we see a, a nice step forward from McCole Hardman, but I don't, I don't know that we ever see him be like the, he's never going to be the same level of weapon that Tyreek Hill is. And I don't think that he's going to be, you know, I don't think he's going to be Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup and um, CD lamb or, you know, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I'm not sure that it's ever going to be that tandem. Yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat here. And I mean, me and Price and, and the guys at Arrowhead Live, we talk a lot about McCole Hardman just because our opinions vary so much. And, and I'm a, a bit of a pessimist. I really don't think that he has the skills to be an ex receiver in the NFL. I think he's a slot guy. I, I think he's not physical enough. There are a bunch of reasons why. Um, but our predictions were actually almost spot on. Now, I gave him 700 yards and five touchdowns. And from what you led up to that, um, you know, how you led up to that, I really thought you were going to say 1,000 yards and maybe seven touchdowns, something crazy like that. And I actually, I think you're spot on. I think that that might even be a little bit better than my prediction. So, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. We talk about, oh, McCole Hartman can never be an X. We don't need him to be Calvin Johnson. And he doesn't even have to be an X or Y receiver to be a great wide receiver. The issue with McCole Hardman is, is that Tyreek Hill, when he's at his best, is out of the slot. That is where he does most of his work. And you are not going to take Tyreek Hill off the field to put McCole Hardman on the field. 
you know, there's only so many slot receiving places. Um, so that becomes an issue with just how many people can you put running out of the slot? We mentioned that Kelsey does that as well. There's a chance of Clyde doing it too. Um, you know, those, that's really part of the issue there. And I do expect to see Hardman a little bit more on the outside and that's fine. But the point is, is that McCall Hardman's skill set. I mean, he's still not, he's still under 200 pounds. He's still under 5'10". And he's not proven the ability to go up and get the ball or to win when he's contested at the line or pressed. And that's just part of what keeps that ceiling down. And, you know, those 650 yards, some of those are a bubble pass that go to the house that he breaks big. And, you know, let's see, last year he had, well, it seems like a lot more than that. He only had 31 yards rushing. That's not including the postseason, though. But he's always good for a, a touchdown or two you know, mm-hmm. um, rushing as well. So that that's good. And we know he does a lot for the offense, just like Terry kill does with the sweeps and the counter motions that really keeps the defense guessing. So he's, we're not saying that he's not valuable. We're just not necessarily buying into that. He is a true wide receiver too. Um, you know, that he's something that's keeping the defensive coordinators up at night. Well, and let me, let me just say one more thing and we can move on to the next, uh, the next player. But um, yeah, I mean, I really hope that I'm wrong. And I, I say that a lot with the Chiefs players that I am pessimistic about. Like, I, I really do hope that I'm wrong. I'm not rooting against him. Um, if he has a breakout season and has like 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns, I will be at the front of the parade. I promise. But we just don't see that, or, or at least I don't. So. And I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here and go Alex Jones for a few seconds on you. KCTV five drafted McCole Hardman, not the chiefs because they chose to manipulate audio of Tyreek kill and release it the night of the draft. Um, and yeah. McCole Hardman was yeah. drafted to replace Tyreek Hill. I don't think that if we go back in time and we know what we now know about Tyreek kill situation that they draft McCole Hardman. Because he's just not what they needed at the time. They had Tyreek Hill. McCall Hardman is redundant to Tyreek Hill. That's not to say that, Ty- again, McCall's a bad player. It's just there's times that it doesn't always fit. To- the pieces don't always fit together right. And yeah, I, well, that, that's part of it. Well, and you said it best. Like, you're not going to take Tyreek Hill off the field for McCall Hardman. And they do a lot of the same stuff really well. Like, if you want him to run a glance route, he's one of the best players in the league. Like he's just so fast. If you want to run him a jet sweep, dude, put it, put the ball in his hands and he'll do really well. There's only like a handful of players in the league that can do that better than him. It just so happens that one of them plays on the same team. Right. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. All right. So this is, this is probably one of the most exciting things about camp and it's been how awesome Chris Jones looks um, you know, the weight that he's lost, while it was probably not necessary, I truly think that he's getting close to that Aaron Donald level of pass rush from the inside, the athleticism. Now, I'm not sure that if he takes off his shirt, he's going to look like Aaron Donald, where he literally looks like he looks like a comic book character, truthfully. Um, but Chris Jones, the hype is outrageous this year for Chris Jones and how good he's doing. Um, we are just going to predict his sacks last year. He had seven and a half, his career high in sacks. Hold on. Let me find it was in 2018 where he had 15 and a half, which is absolutely crazy. 
Um, this year with him playing at here's here's what I think. I think that Jones will dominate this season. I think he's going to have a great year. I'm gonna go a little bit hot take. I'm gonna say that Chris Jones goes for 17 sacks. I think that the addition of Jaron Reed. I think that Frank Clark will play a little bit better. I think that they're going to what I hope and what the uh, Rams do with Aaron Donald too is they find your worst offensive lineman. And then you go and put Chris Jones on that guy. And that's what I'm hoping they're going to do. Um, I'm super excited. I think that he's going to have a great year. 17 sacks for Chris Jones. Jeez. So I'm a really high on Chris Jones this season too. Um, I mean, we saw it. It can't dude, the dude can't be stopped. He slimmed down. He looks like the Frank, Clark of old. I mean, like throwing Orlando like, Brown, 380 yes. pound Orlando Brown to the ground, backing up Trey Smith on his heels, just straight up bull rush. If you can retain that type of power and be as lean as he is, dude, it's he's going to have a monster season. And I have him 14 sacks, not as high as you. I wanted to be a little conservative, but yes, I'm all in in Chris Jones. I think he even gets four for forced fumbles this year as well. So yeah, he's, he's looking really, really good. Uh, last one is kind of a legal question slash NFL stat prediction. Frank Clark. So really this kind of factors into how many games do you think it, is he going to play? It really seems to have quieted down on that front as it tended tends to do on the legal side. There's the initial flare up. And then when the investigation and litigation side of things are playing out, things die down a little bit. I personally am almost getting to the point that I think Frank Clark is going to play the full season and then his suspension will be next year, which would really be great for the Chiefs. So I'm going to put Frank Clark at eight and a half sacks. That's a little down. Um, I know that that's not super exciting, but I think that Chris Jones is going to be the star pass rusher for the Chiefs. Um, You know, eight and a half sacks would be two and a half more than he had last year, um, a half a sec more than he had in 2019. Uh, he had 13 that year in Seattle that got him the big deal. Uh, but we know that Frank Clark does a lot more than just pass rush. He is a good edge defender. Um, so I, I think that him getting an eight and a half sacks, if you get that, you know, 17 sack season from Chris Jones, throwing a little bit of Jaron Reed there and the occasional blitz, I think that that would be a much improved season for the pass rush. See, and, and I have him at eight sacks, so we're, we're kind of on the same page there. Um, you know, facing the, the legal aspect or the legal side of this, you know, if he doesn't play this year or plays half the season, you know, maybe he gets three sacks. It, it might even be less than that. But, you know, all things considered, I think he looked good at camp. Weight-wise, I think he was still a little stiff. He might still be dealing with some of that nerve damage stuff. Um, but eight sacks, I think that Jaron Reed, Chris Jones really help him out. He can, he's good enough that he can make some cleanup sacks. We saw that in the Super Bowl and the playoffs two years ago. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think there's reason for optimism for the pass rush this year. Um, moving on, this is a topic I'm really excited about doing. Here's why last year, and this happens every year in the season, there's always a couple of storylines that happen. And by the end of the season, you're used to it. But if I had told you at the beginning of last year that the Washington football team was going to make the playoffs, 
with Alex Smith at quarterback, you probably would think I was crazy considering that Dwayne Haskins was supposed to be the quarterback and they were supposed to be awful. And somehow they made it in the playoffs. You also would probably think it's crazy for me to tell you that Josh Allen, some people were saying Josh Allen was better than Patrick Mahomes and that he was going to get MVP votes. So what we're trying to do is we're going to try to get ahead of this and we're going to slap down. Each one of us is going to slap down three wildly crazy NFL predictions. Something that if you were to say this on social media right now, people would laugh at you and tell you that you were stupid, which they probably already do anyway, given that it's Twitter. But next, at the end of the year, we can circle back to these and see which one of us was close. So I've got mine written down here and I'm going to revisit them at the end of the year. I've got three. I've got a, a certain team that I think is going to be awful. I think a te- I have a team that's going to make the playoffs. And then I have a player that I think is going to be an MVP candidate for mine. So Christian, do you just want to go back and forth on these? Yeah. Um, you want me to preface mine too, or we'll just get right into it? Um, yeah, I can, I'll just go and give my reasoning and you can kind of just um, tell me your shock and awe factors of these. Um, I've got my justifications of why I think they'll happen. Remember that these all don't happen in the same sphere, right? So like, I'm going to make three predictions. All three of these are a one in three. It's not like all three of these things are going to happen. That would be like a parlay. I'm making a, Mm -hmm. I'm placing single bets here. So my first bold and daring prediction is the Jags will make the playoffs this year. And here is why. First off, they don't have to be a great team. They don't need to be the Chiefs. They don't need to be the Ravens. They don't even really need to be the Browns. What they just need to be is they need to be like the Washington football team. Sneak in at a nine and eight or uh, an eight and nine. They just have to be the best team in a bad division. You look at that division, um, you know, Deshaun Watson may be going to jail. Carson Wentz is hurt, so is their second best player on that team. Um, Also, the Colts, you look at them, the Carson Wentz situation, depending on how they do and how they come out, the Colts are a really sharp organization. If things are headed south for them, I could completely see them tanking and just kind of giving up on the season. The reason why is because the Colts are a great roster who continues to just be short on quarterback. They made a low stakes move for Carson Wentz. If things go pear-shaped for them and things start going bad, you could completely see them buying into the tank a little bit and letting Carson Wentz rest that foot up and having an open, open competition going into the next year. The Titans, also in that division, they are without Arthur Smith, who was really the juice to that offense. They still have little to no defense to speak of. And they um, are going to be relying on an older Julio Jones who has missed some games due to injury lately. Um, he or the Titans, you know, they still play in a relatively stronger AFC. So they've got to be the Titans. The Texans are awful. Now for the Jacks, there's also this thing that happens. Usually these college coaches that come in, you, you've heard they've, they're doing some really like cliche kind of silly things in Jags camp, but players can buy into that sort of thing for a year or two. The same with the scheme, right? Like when um, Greg Roman's scheme took over with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, it took teams a year to catch up to it. I think that Urban Meyer's scheme and his kind of cliche, catchy little coaching schemes might catch on for a year. And I think it might catch the league by storm. They might kind of have to catch up to it a little bit. 
Trevor Lawrence, obviously going to be the starting quarterback out there. He is sneaky athletic. I think we might be discounting him as a, as a runner. I think that he's going to be a little bit more of a threat with his feet. Obviously he can pass and there's not, I mean, the roster while disappointing, it's not as bad as you might think there's, you know, there's some real offensive talent there. There's enough to support Lawrence here. And then lastly, to finish out my case for the Jaguars making the playoffs here are their first six or sorry, the first, yeah. First six games, they play the Texans. They play the Broncos. They play the Cardinals. They play the Bengals. They play the Titans and they play the Dolphins. They could easily end that stretch. You could see them going five and one or four and two. They really only need to win four or five more games from there. That's completely doable. If you are looking for a long shot bet, Jags to make the playoffs. See, and that sounded crazy to me until we went through the, the division, right? Like, I think the Titans are going to make a really big step back this year. I loved Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. Um, but face value, that sounds ridiculous. But I like it, man. I, uh, you're going out there. I enjoy well, it. And that's, that's the thing, right? These things don't happen in a bubble. Like, if I just say, oh, the Jags are making the playoffs this year, you get laughed at. But you start, you know, it's the, it's the attrition. It's the, it's the slow burn. It's a slow story. All the, you know, every year there's a team that wins two or three games that probably they shouldn't have. You know, they just get some good calls. The ball bounces their way. You could easily see the Jags lucking into nine wins, and that might be all that it takes. Now, I, I said they're making the playoffs. I didn't say that they're going to go deep in the playoffs. I think that, you know, it'll just be one of those things a year or two later we laugh at and be like, dude, remember the Jags made the playoffs with Urban Meyer? <laughs> and Tim Tebow starting at uh, tight end or second tight end. You're right. The Urban Meyer-Tim Tebow playoff is really – I completely forgot about that. I should have put, <laughs> oh my gosh, why, dude, I could have made my case so much stronger. I could have said that like the evangelical church that they have before every game with Tim Tebow inspires the team and the packages well, that yeah. they can run with Tim Tebow at quarterback. Oh, wow. I, you know what? I should have put them down for the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. The Wildcat. I can't wait to see Tim Tebow uh, as the quarterback in a Wildcat. I mean, you know, what are we waiting on? I'm waiting for season to start. But uh, Absolutely. for mine, mine, my first one is uh, you said a, pl- a team will make the playoffs. I'm going to go the complete opposite. I think a team won't make the playoffs. and I think it's the Seattle Seahawks. And <clears throat> you look around in a, a very competitive division. Um, the NFC as, as a whole is, is getting better. One team that didn't get better was the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Russ threw his hands up in the air, said, I need a new offensive line. what they do? Not a whole lot. I mean, we can go through the transactions, but I think they added two people. Um, and their tackle is thinking about sitting out for the season because he doesn't have a new contract. And that's probably because they're paying way too many average players, not good money. Secondly, another way you get better, in the draft. Guess what they did in the draft? They had two picks. They didn't do anything. They, they got no good players. Um, they could have traded maybe and gotten, gotten you know, further up in the draft to get a tackle. This was a really good tackle class. They didn't do it. They didn't – I mean, what are they doing? They're, they're not doing anything to make the team better. I think DK Metcalf will take a step back, and, and with a league that's full of injuries, man, one or two key players goes down for them. 
I think that's wrap for the season. And I think it might be a wrap for Russell Wilson as a Seahawk as well. Yeah. You know, I, again, like all those things sound a little crazy on the surface level, but if you start peeling back the layers, it, it makes sense. It's a tough division and there's going to be a good team that doesn't go to the playoffs in that division. Now, judging on what your opinion of the Cardinals is, uh, if they're a good team or not, but you can completely see it, right? Um, you know, Dwayne Brown, you brought him up. Uh, the defense is still missing some pieces. Really one of the only changes that they made this offseason was bringing in a new offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson. And, you know, the Russell Wilson MVP candidate C runs through week C, week six. And then, you know, by then they're talking about how they need to let Russ cook. And then he starts turning the ball over. Yeah, I mean, you, you can completely see it, um, especially, you know, Chris Carson is a big part of that offense, and he seems to be plagued by injuries pretty frequently. Oh, yeah. Every season he gets hit with one or two, and he's a really good football player, really bad, really bad situation for him. But Yeah, and I, I mean, if you, if you look at their schedule, too, I mean, it, there's, there's plenty of juice on that schedule. They get the Colts early, which is good for them. But then they go Titans, Vikings, 49ers, Rams, Steelers, Saints, my um, AFC East champion, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's, it's a little salty to begin with. Uh, you, could, you could certainly see it. The second part le- lessens up a little bit, but Kyle Shanahan has had their number um, with the 49ers. And, you know, we don't know what the Rams are going to be with Stafford. So I think that's smart. All right, here we go. Here's my next one. This, similar to yours, um, a little bit more drastic, though. My second wild prediction is that the Saints will be picking in the top five of the NFL draft. And that's not via trade. Here's the reason why. First off, Saints play in a tough division. The Falcons, I think, improved a lot. I think that they're going to do a lot better with Arthur Smith. Um, They, you know, obviously have the chance, probably the second best or best team in the NFL with the Bucs. Uh, The Panthers, while they are not world beaters, they also are not bottom feeders. Um, The first eight games that the Saints play is against Green Bay, Washington football team, uh, you know, stout defense at New England, which is, you know, one of the hardest places to play in the league, Seattle and Tampa Bay. Why did I pick the first eight games? Oh, yeah, because Michael Thomas is going to be injured and out probably for the first seven to eight weeks. And oh, by the way, he's been posting on Instagram that the team has been trying to silence him and trying to sway his opinion about his medical care because he was supposed to have the surgery as soon as the season ended, but he opted to not get the surgery until later into the summer, now prolonging him getting in there. So there's some disgruntled uh, players on arguably one of their biggest stars for the team. Um, with Michael Thomas out, there is virtually no offensive weapons on that team outside of Alvin Kamara, which Alvin Kamara is a fantastic weapon. But when he is the only weapon receiving and rushing, it really kind of starts to limit them. Let me read some of the wide receiver weapons that the Saints will be jotting out there starting week one. Lil Jordan Humphrey, which is a 10 out of 10 name, little apostrophe Jordan Humphrey. Tommy Lee Lewis, Jake Lampman, Juwan Johnson, Jalen McCleskey, Chris Hogan, heard of him, Ty Montgomery, the infamous wide receiver running back, Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Kawan Baker, Devonte, Devonta Freeman, like the really old running back, Latavius Murray, and Alvin Kamara. This ends the list. So that is the support cast that they're going to be sending out for 
two very up in the air quarterbacks. They have slower Taysom Hill, uh, slower Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill, who, while he does, you know, run a pretty good wildcat, is not a legitimate passer. Then, you know, they have Jameis Winston on the roster as well, who the last time we saw him, he did not play well. While I do think that Jameis could have been better with the Saints, given the current situation and what they have, I don't see him excelling in that in that role and that scheme with those players. It's the old it's the old uh, mantra: if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none. And then they've also lost a few pieces on the defense as well. So I could completely see the Saints bottoming out. I could see them being smart to bottom out and realize that they need their new quarterback. And also their cap has been in a bad place and continues to be in a bad place. So this might be the year that they decide to go ahead and just bite the bullet and move on from some of these older players that they have that are expensive and try to turn the page over to a new quarterback and a new cap situation. So, you know, like I said, like we've been saying, a little, little hard to, to see at face value, but you feel back the layers. How do you feel about Sam Darnold in Carolina? Obviously, I mean, are you pretty high on him? You know, it, it's, it's really hard to say. It kind of goes back to what you think of – this goes to the Josh Allen conversation. Do you think that quarterbacks can change after a couple of years in the league? Is, um, is Sam Darnold so tainted – from his time with um, old crazy eyes in New York that he's never going to be, you know, is he damaged goods? Can he be replaced? I think that Carolina offensively is a good team. Joe Brady, I think is going to be a head coach. He's the offensive coordinator there. The LSU guy who brought Joe Burrow to the level that he's at. And I think that they run a good scheme. I think they've got good weapons. I could completely see the Panthers being okay my thing with Sam Darnold is, is I don't know how much better he is than Teddy Bridgewater. The ceiling is obviously higher with Darnold, but the floor is obviously lower. That's, you know, kind of the Alex Smith conversation there with him. So do I think that Sam Darnold is going to turn the Panthers into a crazy contender? Probably not, but I think that, I think that they could be in that kind of nine to 10 win wash or eight to nine to 10 win wash. See, and, and you brought up the quarterbacks of the Saints. I think that it depends. I mean, their success depends on a quarterback. I just don't think it's on their roster. I think that Sam Darnold, if he plays really well and they get beat twice by the Panthers, that's hard to come back from, especially in a division that you've owned for, God, how, how long? The past 20 years, it seems like. So, yeah, I, I really like that take. That's a good take. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's easy to counter that too. You say, oh, well, you know, they have a good coach, a good offensive scheme. The Saints can overcome these type of things. The defense will be able to carry them. Um, you know, they have a pretty significant home field advantage, relatively speaking. You can certainly make the story for the other side, but, um, you know, top five is probably bold, but um, top 10, probably more. Oh, possible. that's not out of the realm of possibility. So my second one, is a team winning a division. And I think that the Cowboys will win the NFC East. And I'm not just saying that to get more views from the Cowboys viewers. What's, what's so um, funny is that shouldn't be a hot take, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long has it been since they've had a playoff win? It's like, it's been a really long time. Um, but yeah, I, 
I think that they'll make the playoffs. I don't, I trust a new defensive coordinator with the talent they have. Trayvon Diggs is a cornerback, really good pickup last year in the draft. Uh, Micah Parsons, I don't really like him as a person, as a football player, he's pretty damn good. Um, you know, there's safeties because you could use a little help, but you can trade for a safety and Jerry Jones is not beyond doing that. Um, Mike McCarthy is a head coach, pretty good. I think CD Lamb is about to go off. I am all in on CD Lamb, like 1,400 yards. I really think he could do it. And, and Dak coming back off an injury, motivated to prove the haters wrong. Zeke coming back. I mean, their offense, you don't have to question it. It's going to be great. Um, the defense is the only thing I think you have to worry about with that team. And their last defensive coordinator, I'm pretty sure it was just a, uh, a ploy to get higher draft picks. Maybe they didn't think their roster was ready, but I think everybody knew that that defensive coordinator shouldn't have been hired. And his name is escaping me right now, uh, but I know he was the defensive coordinator uh, for the Falcons one of the years that they had one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, and Mike McCarthy just gave him a job because they were all buddies. So I think the Cowboys, I think I trust the new defensive coordinator more than I trust uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to play, uh, I don't know, semi-well for the majority of the time. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's where I, I'm at on the Cowboys. I, I agree with you that that they should be the team favored to win there simply because we, we believe in offense here. Um, you know, we, we think that offense is probably the most important thing that you can have. Um, you're, you were thinking of Mike Nolan, by the way. Um, but, Oh yes, that's right. That's but, right. You know, the offense there is overwhelming. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. They have three excellent wide receivers. They have a running back who knows what, you know, how good or not good he's going to be. Tony Pollard's good there. He's a, you know, their backup running back. There's, there's definitely some pieces there and the defense has pieces too. Um, you know, they just need to stay healthy. That obviously can be one of the better offensive lines in the NFL as well. So, you know, I, I almost, I, I almost venture to say it's not a hot take that he, you know, that they win. It just kind of depends on how, um, how pessimistic you are about the Cowboys in general. You know, Cowboys are just one of those teams that people either love or hate them. I was severely hated on for saying, suggesting that the Chiefs might lose to the Cowboys this year since they play them. But I could see it being one of those last second thrilling games where it just comes down to who has the ball last. But Cowboys to win the NFC least, I could see it. Well, thank you. You are one of the very few of our colleagues that believes that. So <laughs> someone's got to win. I appreciate it. it. That's right. Someone's got to win it. But my next prediction actually might be the reason why the Cowboys do not win the NFC East, because I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones is going to be an MVP. Oh, my God. And here is why. First off, we start off with the very obvious, very acceptable fact that there is a new york city bias everything in new york is bigger the mets are a poverty franchise of a baseball team and they still get more headlines the yankees the you know the giants the jets it goes on and on and on you know um eli manning getting into the hall of fame partially is going to be driven by him being a new york city quarterback next we go on to the fact that for some reason the nfl media is absolutely obsessed with joe judge 
I'm not sure if it's because he's from the Bill Belichick coaching tree or because he does super cringy high school football coach press conferences and makes the players run. But for some reason last year, like the Giants had won like six games and people were ready to call Joe Judge the coach of the year. I don't know why, but people really love Joe Judge in the NFL media. It's very strange. So you already got double biases. And remember, when people win MVP, their first MVP is the easiest to win. Well, hypothetically, if you get what I mean. After that, that's when it starts becoming harder because Patrick Mahomes winning MVP again or Tom Brady winning his fourth or fifth or whatever it is, it's just not as exciting as the narrative, right? The narrative of Daniel Jones, a player who's, you know, looked bad and now is good. He's in New York City. He's got a, you know, a rough around the edges coach. You can really kind of see the narrative start coming together. The NBA is very much like this as well, where there's a narrative around MVP. The weapons that Daniel Jones has, he has Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, who is one of my favorite players in the draft. They added John Ross, which not much of a weapon, but also he's got that breakaway speed. He might be that deep, that player that they have to cover deep that can open up the middle. Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, they got Saquon Barkley, and they added Kyle Rudolph as tight end too, which is a good red zone weapon. So there are plenty of weapons in place for Daniel Jones to take that Josh Allen-like step. Also reminds me a little bit of Lamar Jackson. You know, year one, he was a little bit, uh, you know, he struggled. Year two is when he took that step. I think that just like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, this could be the year that we see a player take a significant step into MVP candidacy. Also, Giants have a good defense that's going to keep them in games. Because of their New York City bias and the good defense, the Giants are going to be in a lot of primetime games. That also helps the MVP narrative. Um, Last year, he had 423 yards rushing. He's a sneaky athletic rushing quarterback, and he would have had more if he wouldn't have tripped over his own shoelaces. So next year, he's going to have his shoes tied. I think that's going to help as well. So, you know, he gets a couple of rushing touchdowns in there. Um, it's a bad division. You know, that's, that's well documented. And here are the best teams that they face. They face the Rams. They face our Chiefs. They face the Bucks, And then they get the Eagles, the Cowboys, and Washington football twice. That is not a particularly hard schedule. I think that, you know, I, I completely see there being this situation where like, whoa, Daniel Jones has like 12 touchdowns in the first three games of the season. What is going on? And he just rushed for two as well. And then here in, you know, week 10, we're talking about Daniel Jones has got 25 total touchdowns and he's only, you know, fumbled the ball once or twice and only throwing a couple interceptions and the Giants are leading the division like, I could completely see it happening. Dude, you know that I care about you. I think you might need to go to a hospital. That, that may be one of the worst takes I've ever heard you say. Dude, here's what I'm but. saying, though. <laughs> here's what I'm saying. It's not a hot take to say that Dak Prescott is an MVP candidate. We're talking about a hot, steamy take. One that, like, here's what I'm saying. If we're sitting here talking about it, you, I am going to be owed such a victory lap on this. Because, like I said, it's all about narratives. And I just pieced together all the reasons why it could happen. And, and you know, it, he, may, he doesn't have to win it, right? He's just got to be a candidate. He's just got to receive some votes. Like, you know, I, I could see him finishing in the top three. I don't think he's going to win it because I think everyone, like, it's like the, um, the Scooby-Doo meme where they take off the mask and the mask is actually just the person. Like they take off the mask and then they realize, oh, it's Daniel Jones underneath the mask. 
<laughs> Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. But, man, I'm telling you what, I could completely see him being in that conversation. See, I, th- I think you're hung up on this Josh Allen guy who did exactly what uh, he would have to do this past season. Okay, well, let me He's- ask you – let me ask you the question. Let me ask you this. There's yeah, one yeah. difference between Josh Allen and, and Daniel Jones. And the, mm-hmm. and the answer is arm talent. Josh Allen in, um, is a athletic quarterback with a lot of weapons around him on a good team with a coach in the New York area who, um, you know, is going to be in a lot of primetime games that has a strong fan base. The real difference between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen on paper is just the arm talent is so much better with Josh Allen, but the rest of it, like it all and the weapons and everything like that, like you can really see the situation. And also like Lamar Jackson took that huge jump from like, ah, you know, he's in the conversation of a quarterback, but to like, oh my gosh, this guy is just like having a breakout season. So I'm glad you qualified that Lamar Jackson comp because that was going to be the next thing that I said. Uh, was was a little crazy, but uh, dude, th- there are two big differences between the situation that that Daniel Jones is in and the one that Josh Allen was in. One, he has a competent head coach who has done very well. Um, the second is their offensive line. I I do a rankings of like offensive weapons, offensive lines, defensive lines, uh, linebacking court. Like I do a a list of each team every single year, and the Giants this year have the worst offensive line. That, that I have particularly chosen. And that's, that's a big deal for a quarterback who's trying to take a really big step forward. Yeah, and, I, you know, that's, that's certainly a, a, a good point. And, I mean, this has to be a hot, hot take, right? It can't be. Oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he would be overcoming that offensive line struggles. But they're going to sign um, Austin Ryder, hopefully, eventually, to replace Nick Gates. And according to PFF, um, Austin Ryder is amazing, which I question. But yep, that's yep, right. um, there is some pretty disappointing, we'll describe them as disappointing players that they have slated to start at offensive line. But you know what? Like the number one way to overcome that is to be able to get rid of the ball fast. And the best way to get rid of the ball fast is to have players get open. So I think that, you know, they've given him the best shot at doing that. Yeah, and you know what? This was the crazy hot take segment. So you've done it. You won the segment. I, this is I, the craziest, hottest I, take. I read the said. instructions for sure. <laughs> well, I think you came up with it. So, dude, I can't wait anyway. for you to make one of those graphics so I can put it out on Twitter and then just like see the hate roll in. Oh, for sure, I'm making one tonight. Daniel <laughs> Jones is the next Josh Allen. Like, just give, <laughs> you no, know, no, not even that. Just Josh Daniel Jones is the MVP, and just like have him holding <laughs> the trophy, like just like, oh my do god, a totally shitty Photoshop of it in his hands, and then just let and just put my name next to it. Oh, dude, I I'll try to remember to do that. You'll have but to I, remind me. But what I do look forward to is like gaining like 250 giant fan followers. I'm okay with that. Oh yeah. That's the best way to get followers on Twitter. Dude. Just say something crazy. Dak Prescott is the next NFL MVP. Well, all right. Well, there you go. You just went up a thousand followers. But anyway, my last hot take um, is a trade scenario that is somewhat realistic that, you know, I, I kind of like. Um, and it's I guess it's not really that hot. I can't really follow that. Can I? Daniel Jones for MVP. There's not. 
Uh, yeah, I'm well, sorry. I, I should have warned you that I was going to have the Alzheimer. <laughs> you should have let me go first. Then you would have been the one to end it with that. Anyway, all right. So I have the 49ers trade Jimmy G to the Washington football team. And there are a number of reasons why this could happen. Uh, you know, Washington football name, team needs a good quarterback. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a great and terrible quarterback at the same time. Uh, I think they're the 49ers quarterback that they just drafted that I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but that good rookie quarterback, everybody was high on him. Um, I think he's going to flourish in that offense. It's Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be great. And at some point this season, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt. And then he's going to have to come in. And we saw it with maybe Lucas and Yang during this, uh, this football training camp. Mike Rimmers went down and Rimmer or uh, Yang hasn't given him his spot back. That's just what happens in the NFL. Sometimes the same thing happened with our buddy, Alex Smith and uh, Colin Kaepernick a few years ago on the 49ers. I mean, this is something that happens all the time in the NFL. And once you have a quarterback that's above average or about average that you can trade for assets to a team that is looking to beat the Cowboys and maybe the New York giants, uh, in their division, I think that they'd make that trade. First off, I'm disappointed in you for not giving a disclaimer or a trigger warning for uttering the name of the forder, former 49ers quarterback. How dare you? What? Not, don't, Alex don't, don't know. Not him. You can say his <laughs> name all he wants. Don't, he who must not be named. Don't say his name. People will, people will cancel us. If we say call, oh. it, don't, don't, no, don't say his name. Don't, don't say it. We're going to trigger, we're going to trigger people. All right. I, I'll refrain myself. I'll put a beeper in the edit <laughs> after we edit this before. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely do that. Cause we don't want to talk about, you know, we don't, we don't want to talk about people kneeling for the national anthem is totally fine. Uh, <clears throat> but okay, um, right. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty solid take. Um, I could completely see it. My question is, what do you think the return would be? Like, what do you think WFT gives up? You know, I kind of think that it'd be similar to the Patrick Mahomes uh, taking over for Alex Smith. I think we got a fourth maybe for that, uh, which is kind of crazy for a quarterback. Well, and Kendall so incredibly well. Yeah, I guess that's player Player and a pick. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're still on the – you know what? I bet this is exactly what I bet. I bet it's Kendall Fuller and a fourth round pick. The exact same thing uh, because Kendall Fuller now plays for the uh, the Washington football team. So that's perfect. There you go. That is true. But he is not on a rookie deal anymore. I'm looking up Jimmy Garoppolo real quick on here on over the cap. So, oh, it's a lot. Whatever yeah, you think it is. They're it's on the much. hook. So here's the thing, though, that's great about Jimmy G, Jimmy G's deal um he is just only you know he's more or less nothing on the cap he he's obviously on the cap but to cut him would only cost you about 2.8 million dollars his cap number in this his cap number for this year is 26 million next year it's 27 million but considering that Josh Allen just signed a deal for 43 and 43 per that's pretty not bad honestly and the Washington football team is kind of the perfect team for that the only thing that's kind of weird is 
the Washington football team and the, um, the 49ers, they're both kind of like, well, they've got great weapons and they've got a great roster and a strong defense and a good coach. And they just need to like, it's a, it's a little weird. It's kind of like the Spider-Man meme a little bit of them pointing at each other because they're kind of the same team, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jimmy G, it's just QB purgatory. Oh yeah. I, and it's not going to be good for either one of them, but you know, that's the way it is. If you take Absolutely. one thing away from this segment, though, before we move on, uh, Price is unpatriotic, and he has terrible Giants take. So <laughs> there you go. You can, you can say that all you want, but when Daniel Jones kneels for the national anthem and wins MVP, you know who to come to. <laughs> I'm the gatekeeper for that. I, I will buy you a case of your favorite alcoholic beverage. He's, he's going happens. to kneel as he accepts the MVP award. Dear God, help us okay, all. Okay, right. real quick to wrap up. We're, we're about done. We're going to, I just want to touch base on this because I think that we're kind of in a weird holding place with the Tyron Matthew contract. And I just want to kind of put on our detective badge for a second here and put together some pieces. And here's, here's what I'm going to bring to the table. First off, Tyron Matthew cryptic tweets. We're going to throw that out. That's not good evidence. Okay. He tweets to trigger you. When you, you tweet, when you quote tweet his tweet with the little eyes emoji, he, he, he's happy. Okay. He likes that. So we're throwing that out. That's not evidence. There's the evidence that we do have. Tyron Matthews in camp. That would be a good sign. That would point towards him getting the deal, that they're on good sides. He said that they're on good terms. That's encouraging. Now, for the less convincing evidence. First off, the Chiefs have continually hyped up what player on defense this year. Devin Key, a safety. Next, Tyron Matthew has continued to not get a deal while in camp. The Chiefs have also traded for Orlando Brown. They gave Joe Tooney a deal. Tyree Kill will need paid. Every day that goes by, I'm starting to think more and more. And with the situation with Juan Thornhill, every day that goes by, I'm just thinking more and more that there's a real likelihood that Tyron Matthew is not on this team. Um, I, and I think Matthew is doing all the right things. I, and I, I almost think that there's something to him being one of the first people out on the practice field every day. Maybe he's just trying to prove himself worthy of the money that he wants. Or maybe it's a point to say, look at what you are going to walk away from. But I'm telling you, and we've said this, and we don't need to get into if the cap is real or not, I roll. The point is, is that the Chiefs cannot pay everyone. Well, they walked away from two significant franchise players this offseason and Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. People write that off because they were both hurt, that it felt easier to digest. But I'm here to tell you that one of the, or two of those moves might have both have happened either way last year. They're, they cannot pay everyone. And there's a real, real world possibility that Tyron Matthew is not on this team next year. Yeah, and I hate to say it because I've said it numerous times. He's my favorite player uh, on the Chiefs, at least, of this era. And one of my favorite players of all time, just his attitude, his mentality. Uh, I was never the biggest kid growing up. He wasn't either. But guess what? He, he got there because he was smarter and, and, you know, was a real student of the game. And unfortunately, I think it might be time to say goodbye. And 
you know, that's not entirely a bad thing. Devon Key has been impressing at camp. Juan Thornhill still has a lot of upside. Daniel Sorensen is still a veteran that can come in and, and help you out with, with calling the plays from the back end. Legereus Sneed, another good secondary player we have, he's evolving in front of our eyes. He's one of the best uh, cornerbacks in the division. I mean, and, and this is his second year, so we don't even know how big of a leap he'll take after that. All yep. I'm trying, this is a, a roundabout way of saying that, you know, I really, like you said, each passing day, it, it just seems harder and harder to see. And you know what? We've lost out on good players before, and we've had to see a few of them walk away. And that's not entirely a bad thing. Orlando Brown is a really good player. And, and Chris Jones, I, I almost guarantee you he will get another contract after this. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's something I was going to bring up as well is that, you know, Chris Jones – it won't be long before we're hearing about his next deal. I mean, he's getting to the point that he's going to be underpaid. And I mean, whether I think it's right or not, I think that's kind of how this is going to go is that Matthew might be the sacrificial lamb. And you know what? The chiefs might be right to do it. They might not be. He's on the wrong side of 30. He did not turn in as good of a year last year as he did previously. Now we love what he provides the defense in the sense of he's so flexible. It can play so many different positions. But, you know, they might be right to do it. And this is the, this is the New England way. They walk away from players at the right time. We'll see, I, you know, and the Chiefs, Tyron Matthew will be a free agent next year. That does not mean he cannot sign with the Chiefs. It doesn't help their chances of re-signing him, him getting a free agency, but it also doesn't hurt them. Well, and not only Orlando Brown and not only Chris Jones, but – Travis Kelsey, he's going to get another deal. He's going to be a chief for as long as he can possibly be. Tyreek Hill, he's going to get another deal. Patrick Mahomes, he got a huge deal, and he's helping us out as much as he can while still making half a billion dollars. Like, somebody's got to go, and unfortunately, and, and you know what? We can forgive the Chiefs for being a little gun-shy on re-signing a safety that's past the age of 30. Like, yeah. How, yeah. how many times in the past, you know? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, this could all be null. By the time the podcast is published, they might announce a new deal and we'll celebrate it because he's a great player. But it's just something that to get a, get out ahead of a little bit. So if this happens, we don't, you know, just pretend to be shocked. Oh, yeah. And if he stays, like I said, I it, this is another one of those things. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we find a way to keep him. And it's a team-friendly deal. And you know what? I'll be at the front of the parade waving the pom-poms with everybody else. But... Man, Absolutely. it's just getting harder to see. Well, Christian, it was a pleasure as always. Um, I appreciate everyone listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, and next time we meet, we'll be talking about preseason football, Chiefs versus 49ers. So um, stay cool out there. Stay blessed. Um, as always, you can follow me at it's or sorry, that's my Instagram handle. I almost said my Instagram <laughs> handle. You can follow me at, at Price A Carter on Twitter. And Christian's yours is c breezy underscore edits all right guys thanks for listening have a great day awesome thanks guys see you